Let's say good morning to everyone that's here. Uh, appreciate you, the presence of everyone here. We've got a nice crowd this morning. Uh, this morning, to introduce my topic, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I was raised on a farm in Oklahoma. and We had a couple of cows, some dairy cows that we milked every day, twice a day. We had pigs, we had chickens. That's how we sustained life. That's how we ate. That's what we, t- we raised, what we ate. Uh, we also had a garden. And that garden was the size of a football field. I mean, this wasn't your little 20-foot rows of tomatoes and beans and peas and potatoes and all of that. This was over 100-yard rows. You know, we plowed, and we disked, and we prepared that ground every spring. My dad was a perfectionist when it came to his garden, so to speak. He wanted to lay out all the rows. We got them ready. He actually made every row for us to plant in. And he wouldn't let us cover those rows up until he came back in the evening after work, and he seen where we put the seed. He wanted to see it, to make sure that we didn't get them too close because then they might choke each other out. They had to be a certain distance apart. That's just the way it was growing up on the farm. Then when the plants started coming up, that's when the work started. You thought you had all the weeds out, and you thought you had all the grass and everything picked out when you did all the plowing and the disking and breaking all the ground, and you'd drag that ground and you'd drag the ground with old bed springs and stuff behind a little tractor, and they would pull up all the Bermuda grass or any other weeds that would pull it out of that ground. You'd think you'd have them all out till the plants started coming up. The weeds and the tares started coming up also. I can remember carrying water. Because Dad didn't, we didn't have enough water hose to reach that much land. So when those tomatoes were coming up, they needed a lot more water than some of the other plants. So I remember my brother and I carrying five-gallon buckets of water all day long, watering every one of those tomato plants. So my topic this morning is for us as Christians is to talk about Apollos, Apollos watered. If you would, pick up your Bibles if you'd like to. Scriptures will be up on the screen too. To 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through 6. It says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We look at these verses and we read them and we should all be able to see that there was planting taking place. Paul was planting. And there was watering. And the planting was easy to see. The seed was sown. You could see that. 
It's the sharing of the word, the study of the Bible. That's planting. You know, Paul planted. Just as in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, Paul's planting came first. This is easy to see in my life. The seed was planted in my life early on by my parents and my grandparents. I traveled some with my grandpa and, and my grandma because grandpa would preach in other congregations. He would lead the little congregation we were from in Oklahoma and he would travel and preach. And he'd pick me and my brother up a lot of times and we'd go with them. That was a treat. We traveled with him to other congregations throughout Oklahoma and into Arkansas for him to preach. And I can remember my mom driving 80 miles one way to church. That's the closest congregation that she could find the way she believed, the way we believed. She'd pick three boys every morning, every Sunday morning. We'd get in the car and we'd drive 80 miles one way. Those seeds were being planted in my heart. And those were the constants in my life was my mom and dad. My grandparents and being rooted in the word as well as showing and teaching me to follow God. But if you will, turn your Bibles to Matthew 13, starting in verse 24. The enemy also planted. Because once you become a Christian, once you are obeying the gospel, the enemy is out there. Matthew 13, starting in verse 24. Says another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went on his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the, appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares. And bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Good seed was sown by my parents. But you know what? As I grew, I let the world get in my heart. The world cultivated tares among the good seed that my parents had planted in my heart. Some of these things would look like today... Work. One thing was work. You say, well, you got to work. Sure, you have to work. You got to earn a living. You got to make a living. You got to support your families. But I let work take over at different times. I put so much into work, and I'd work overtime, and I would, I wouldn't, we wouldn't, I wouldn't go to church. I developed a lot of worldly friends. A lot of people that probably shouldn't ever have been in my life, but maybe they, maybe they were my work buddies. A lot of activities that I did were, weren't Christian. 
I loved playing ball. That was a passion I had. Growing up, we played ball. But a lot of times that softball, when I was a little older and moved down here, that softball, it kind of took over too. I was playing every weekend, four nights a week, different teams every night. Took over. A lot of times I would use an excuse. There just wasn't any churches around to go to. They weren't close. I mean, they were, and we didn't have this little book that we can have now that lists every church in our fellowship that we can go to and we can look and we can say, well, I'm going to be in this place. I'm going to take a vacation, but I'm going to be here. I can look and find out which church is closest. We didn't have that. That was different times, though. That's not like it is today. Today, we're blessed to have men that put these books together for us, and that we can go to them. We can find a place to worship. But that was an excuse that I used. You know, in verse 30, it talked about how the tares and the wheat had to grow together. And then the tares had to be gathered and burned. This is because sometimes we don't realize the effects of the tares in our life. Until we get a little water and the good seed starts growing again. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, we read, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave every man. I have planted, Paul said, and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Looking back at 1 Corinthians 3, we see that after planting, there was watering done by Apollos. And sometimes it seems that watering is harder to see. Because it's often not labeled out there blatantly. Hey, this is watering. We can see people doing studies or bringing people to church with them planting seed. We can see that. But the watering is still there. It still has to be there. The watering is necessary for us to be able to remove the tares in our lives and for God to give an increase. You know, in our home, Kim and the girls and I, we've talked a lot about how everyone wants to be Paul and to be the planters. We want to be out there planting, and we should be. Every one of us should be a planter. But we also should strive to be an Apollos. We ought to be looking at how can we help the planters. How can we help? How can we water? Paul didn't go back and keep planting. And Apollos didn't go back and say, hey, I'm going to plant some more seed on top of this seed that Paul already planted. He went to water the seed. He went to water those plants. So we should strive to be an Apollos, be like an Apollos. And in our house, we talked a lot about what watering could look like. We even discussed examples of those we have seen water the hearts of others. 
As we've talked about this as a family, it became very apparent that our family, even being a part of the church, is a byproduct of people watering in my life. I won't be looking at my life some this morning as an example, as a way to help us learn what tangible examples of watering look like, what it looked like in my life. I can't talk for anyone else. I can't, I can't say who watered you, but I can say who watered me. The things that happened in my life, I can let you know, and we're going to look at some of those things. I was raised in a Christian home. I left home, and the enemy sowed tears in my life, and I left the church. And in 1989, my son Chase was nine years old. My wife, his mother, was diagnosed with cancer. We fought that battle for six years. Kaylee was born right in the middle of it. My dad and my mom... They were down here at the end of her life, and all they could do was pray. I thought I had this down where I wouldn't be doing this. But they were praying for God's will to be done. In fact, my parents never stopped praying. But they always prayed for God's will to be done. We were at the hospital. And my dad called Jerry McCorkle. He's an evangelist out of Oklahoma. I didn't know anyone at the church down here, at a church down here really. My dad said, I'm going to call Jerry. That's where the watering started. Jerry was in Oklahoma, but he just happened to know a young, young man down here that was working with the church in McKinney, his son, Mike McCork. Jerry told Mike about our situation. And it just happened when Jerry was talking to Mike about this phone call that my dad had placed. Mike was with Bruce Woody at the time. That's Mike's brother-in-law. And they got that call. And thinking back, I think this could have gone one of two ways. They could act. Or they could say, okay, not act. Or at the very least, they could wait and say, well, we'll get, we'll get around to calling him later. And thank God, they chose to come to the hospital that night. They talked to my wife, my parents, and me. They didn't know me. I don't, I'd have never met either one of them.
But they came there to help. They saw an opportunity to show the love of Christ with no strings attached. And they took it. And I thank God that they did. They stayed in touch with me through the end of my wife's life. My wife passed away in May of 1995. Chase was 15. Kaylee was almost 2. I didn't know anybody in the church still, really. But I had Mike McCorkle and Bruce Woody's phone numbers. So I called them. Mike came and preached her funeral. Bruce and his wife, Rebecca, they organized some singing. And they did it all for somebody they just met. This was watery. This was putting water where it needed to be. But this watering made it very apparent to me that my life needed to change. So Kaylee and I, that, uh, that summer, Kaylee and I started attending church here at La Prada. We were welcomed into this family by everyone here. You know, there's some that really stood out to me. Because, you know, as with any group of people, you're going to be closer to some. And you still have relationships with all. But the watering continued. Bruce and Rebecca, they kept watering. They kept including. Brent and Becky Fisher... They made an effort to include me and Kaylee in things that they were doing. Whether it was going out to eat, whether it was going to their house for lunches, putting our kids in the same swimming lessons. They included us. This was watering. And throughout all this watering, the seed, the seed of the word began taking root in my heart again. And while the tares were being harvested and burned, and sometimes that might sound harsh, but to get rid of those weeds, you need to burn them. Let them go. But I can think as... When I would start letting something else go, there were holes left in your life. But you know, those holes, being a part of the church here, were quickly filled. And that always bettered my family and the kingdom. I can remember Rick and Jeannie Burridge inviting us to lunches after church on Sunday afternoons. Terry and Colleen, same thing. Inviting me and Kaylee to lunch over off of Oleander. Also including me in Bible studies that they, they were parts of. 
Robert McFadden and Dale Reed. They would come out to my house, and they didn't come out there wagging a Bible to beat me over the head with it to make me come to church. They came to invest time and effort in me and my family. Clyde and Linda Woody, they'd drive to the house. Tiffany Coode, Angela McFadden. These are people in this congregation that took the time. Tiffany and Angela gave Kaylee a birthday party. She probably never had one. You know, church, we had a softball team. So when I gave up playing with my buddies at work and on those other teams, we had a softball team here. And we filled that hole with playing softball with Christians. Jeff, Brad, remember those days, Brent? We played softball. We were competitive. We played hard. But that took the place of playing with my work buddies that were part of the tears in my life. And I was able to play with my church family now. You know, Britt and Becky, would, we would go to gospel meetings and they'd call me and they'd say, hey, you want to go? And I'd go. We had a lot of fun. You know, these stories could go on and on. I could say probably something about every person that's in this audience today. These people watered with their lives. They showed me how and what Christianity was really about. They knew and understood that watering is relationship building. Watering is more than Bible studies. It was investing in people's lives. Those were my examples of things and people that helped water me in the church. You know, we have some other examples that, that we can look at from the scriptures. In Luke 15, 11 through 24. It's a lengthy reading, but I think it's well worth it. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said... To his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And we, he would have feigned have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. 
and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son did say unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. The father welcomed him home. He celebrated his homecoming. He didn't sit him down for more, I told you so. His father was focused on rebuilding a relationship. In his second Timothy, the first chapter, starting in the fifth verse, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And then over in 2 Timothy 3, verse, starting in verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy's mother and grandmother, they taught Timothy. And I believe there's evidence to show that he was in the scriptures in his childhood. They planted the seed. Paul came along and watered it. He didn't pluck it up and let's replant. He mentored Timothy. He encouraged him to grow in the word and walk in Christ. And another example in Colossians 4 and starting in verse 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, touching whom you received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in, the, in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. So at the end of the letter to the church at Colossae, Paul outlines the work that other Christians he is sending or around, sending to, are doing to water those at the congregation. These people such as Tychicus, Onesimus, Epaphras, and etc. are serving fellow Christians. They are investing in others who have a foundation in the word and are seeking growth. 
They were watering. I believe these examples will lead us back to 1 Corinthians 3. Because the goal of Paul's mentoring of Timothy, ministry and all of these people's ministering to the Colossians, was to grow the kingdom and to give praise and glory to God. The increase, this increase is sometimes not immediate and is hard to see because it takes time for God's word to work. However, looking back, I see how the watering and planting in my life has increased the blessings in my life and the kingdom. However, one thing that needs to, I need to note is that while my parents planted and all these people watered, they knew the results were not in their hands. Just like the end of verse 6 said, God gives the increase. We're not taking credit for God's word. We take credit that we were able to water with his word. And we give God the glory. After a little time went by, my son Chase, he was... A really good baseball player. I'll say that about him for sure. I would say it's because I taught him, but you know, it's neither here nor there. But he was, and he was. He wouldn't come to church with me, and I don't blame him. I hadn't raised him that way. But one thing we did, and I talked to Gerald Hanley, and this may be one, one place that I dis- disagreed with Gerald, and we had a discussion. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, I need to get Chase to come to church. And he goes, well, your dad, tell him to come. <laughs> I go, I, I said, I can't do that. He said, well, you ain't got but one other choice, and that's to lead him. So I was thinking about how do I do that? He played lots of baseball. A lot of it was on Sunday afternoons. I decided after church, Sunday mornings, Kaylee and I, we'd go and we'd watch him play baseball. We'd watch him until we need to leave and come back to church. And we'd get up and leave. He had never seen Dad do that. But we did it. And then some time went by. Chase started coming with us to church. He was baptized by Bruce Woody in 1998. That summer he went with an evangelist named Ty Fleming that was doing the preaching at our singing school here that year. And this was an opportunity that Chase got to travel with him that summer because the congregation here gave him that opportunity. Another example of how he was watered. And this opportunity not only increased his faith, but mine and Kaylee's as well. Because it gave us opportunities 
to build relationships with people in other congregations. We would go when Chase was going to be within driving distance because she wanted to see her brother. He was gone that whole summer. So for us to see him, we would go. And in around that same time, I went with Brent and Becky to Sherman, Texas. We were went to attend a gospel meeting, and Brent introduced me to Kim. I'd been a bachelor for five years, and that's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Kim and I met. And a year later, we dated for, that, for about a year, and we were married in June of 2000. And just some bullet points here. Anna Grace was born in March of 2004. Chase was ordained as an evangelist in May of 2004. Kara was born in November of 2005. Kaylee was baptized in July of 2007. Anna Grace was baptized in July of 2016. And Kara was baptized in July of 2017. All of these events are examples of the increase God provided in my life and in his kingdom. I don't take credit for that. God gave that increase. You know, this could have played out much different. It could have been a time when those tears of my life took over and I gave my life to them. But I am so thankful for eager Christians at this place that took an opportunity to water when they were called upon and that all of this increase was allowed to happen. So to kind of recap what we've gone over. Watering is focused is king, focused on the kingdom. Watering needs to be kingdom focused. Look at the people mentioned in the Colossian letter. Their focus was on the kingdom and serving the people of the kingdom. Watering is for everyone. There's not always the members of leadership watering. Just like in my examples of my life in the letter to the Colossians, while leaders can definitely water like Paul did with Timothy, they are not the only ones. We are all called to find our ways to be an Apollos and water, to build each other up and invest in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Watering needs to be relationship-oriented. When we look at the story of the prodigal son, we don't have a record of the father digging in reteaching everything he had already taught to his son. He celebrated his son coming home because he knew the seed could take root again. And when the tares of his son's life were removed, and we also don't have a record of him taking over his son's life either, and over-serving because he knew, you can't flood, he knew you can't flood a field and expect a harvest. Just like if we would have overwatered our tomato plants 
We could have drowned them out completely. Too much water can wash seed out. But you know, we need to get to know who's planting and what they need to assist them in watering. And we need to be willing to help and assist in that. And watering needs to be ongoing. Watering never stops. Watering transforms and we become waterers ourselves. Paul was invested in Timothy and watered him. And in turn, Timothy watered the saints where he was sent. So as we close, I urge you to join me in examining our lives and determining, are we so focused on being the planter, the ones doing the studies, or are we willing to be an Apollos and be waters for the kingdom? Granted, it takes both. Seed won't grow if it's not planted. But once we see seed planted, are we willing to assist the, the one that planted it? To be the friendly face that greets somebody, that shakes their hands, makes them feel welcome in the congregation. The lesson is yours. If this seed has been planted and watered in your heart and you're ready to accept the call of the gospel and be baptized for the remission of your sins, or if there have been tears sown in your life and you need the prayers of the church and some watering to be done, please come forward, have a, row, have a seat on the front row here as we stand and sing the invitation song. Name of Jesus with you.